give, can y'all give it up for Pastor Jimmy? I heard he preached a great word last week. It's incredible to be in a church where there's multiple preachers and also where you have a pastor that allows people to lead, right? And we have one of the greatest pastors, I believe, in all the world. And I just say that confidently because I've actually uh, been on staff at a, a couple of large churches. And I'm going to tell you right now, nothing compares to Pastor Steve and Julie. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Steve? These guys are incredible. Yeah, I need that too. That would be great. Thank you so much. So um, we got some great pastors. And uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Jimmy, thank you guys for being here um, with us. We are in a series called Design for Dominion. And uh, we're really talking about going back to the beginning, reclaiming our place in God's plan. What was God's original plan for us as humans, as people of God, as just people that are sons and daughters. And this has been a really, really exciting series. We've been going through really just methodically and uh, expositorily. Uh, that's how we preach here, uh, just line by line, uh, book by book. And really, we're in the book of Genesis. We're going to be in the book of Genesis for a long time. I would love for you to go to your uh, phone if you can, fbcdoray.com slash notes. You could follow along on your smartphone there. You could also take notes wherever you're at. Let's go right to the word this morning uh, as we get that TV set up. That'd be great. It's great to be in God's house today. Again, like you said, my name is Philip, one of the pastors here on team. And it's a privilege to bring the word this morning. Uh, I want to share from Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 through 17. We'll be covering this kind of uh, larger portion of scripture today. Noah has just um, gotten really off of the ark with his family after the flood. And uh, this is what the Bible says. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And it says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. But you must never eat any meat that has still has the lifeblood in it. Now, pause right there. I know some of you guys think, well, that's my excuse. I'm going to order my steak well done. That's not an excuse to order your steak well done, okay? That's a misinterpretation of Scripture. How many of you know myoglobin, right, is just... Just water and protein, okay? So when you're squeezing that 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 juicy filet mignon at medium, it's not blood, okay? Somebody needs to be, you just need, I'm helping people today, okay? So order your steaks medium to medium rare. Uh, let's keep going here. Just trying to help you. That was free of charge, okay? I'm just trying to help people. Uh, and I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. And he, he says again, now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. And with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and the wild animals. Every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant for you, with you, with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant 
between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is a sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. So a larger portion that we would be reading, but I wanted us to get through this section. Uh, next week, Pastor Steve's going to be picking up in verse 18. Uh, I want to preach you a message entitled today, The Formula of Fruitfulness. The Formula of Fruitfulness, if you're taking notes. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would speak through me this morning and help us to see your word and to see Jesus. And I ask that, God, your spirit would speak to hearts and to lives and to minds and help us, Lord, to uh, leave today different than we came uh, so that we would encounter your word, we encounter your presence, and that we would look more like Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Um, how many of you guys are good at math? Anybody out there? Okay, I see a few of you. How many of you guys are, are bad at math? Yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's me. You know, I'm terrible at math. I'm more of a, a C student in math, and that's like trying hard and studying the night before and all of that, right? So I'm more of a social studies guy. As you can tell, I talk a lot. So I was always talking in class, never paying attention. And so I was always worried about football or girls or other stuff, you know what I'm saying? Or just maybe I was distracted. I don't know. I wasn't on ADHD medication, but I probably had a low or small attention span. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a trend going around on TikTok that uh, is a knock on girl math and guy math. Okay, you ever heard of this? Have you guys seen this out there? So in other words... People do math differently, right? And so girl math is not spending $15 on shipping by spending an extra $30 to get the free shipping, right? Girl math is thinking she can get ready in 10 minutes. Hello, somebody. Uh, guy math is getting an apartment and buying a 70-inch TV but no dining room table. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, something's not adding up, in other words, right? Like, the math ain't mathing, right? It's like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Um, many of us are going through situations right now that maybe we could say are not adding up, right? They're, we, we're in the middle of a problem. We see the problems in our world. You know, so if you could look at the government and you could look at the United States, you could just look right there and be like, this ain't adding up. Like, y'all spent how much? And this is what? And the interest rate is what? And you know, like there was houses that were going for 200000 are going for 800000 now, and they didn't even make any improvements. It's just like this doesn't make any sense, right? You can look at our economy. You can look at our world. Things aren't adding up, and it's hard to see sometimes in the problem the solution to the problem. And we might be experiencing lack today or maybe a gap. Maybe you're in a situation today where you're like, man, this ain't really adding up. I thought I was going to be further by now, right? I, I didn't think that I would be here where I am, there's a gap between where you think you should be and where you actually are, right? It's, it's not adding up. You might be thinking, I should be further. You might be going through storms of life today. It could seem like, man, this, is, this actually failed. God, you didn't actually call me to do this, right? And there are examples throughout Scripture where, you know, the, the situation didn't always look like it was supposed to look, and people were afraid, and they didn't have faith to believe, and they were like, God, you, you sent us out here to kill us in this wilderness, or, God, you put us in this boat just to send a hurricane, we're going to die. Or maybe, you know, there was even, you know, really with the disciples, hey, you did all this just to die on a cross? That's what this was about? They couldn't see the other side. They couldn't see the equation solved. They couldn't see God coming into their situation. And really, it's the formula 
of fruitfulness, right? You've seen formulas in algebra. I wasn't really good at algebra, but there was X plus B equals C or E equals MC squared. Really, the formula we need for fruitfulness, as he tells us to be fruitful and to multiply, the formula is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So I just want to help you with this. This is our formula today. Jesus plus nothing equals everything is the formula you need to solve every circumstance in your life. When you face a storm, if Jesus is in your boat, you will get to the other side, right? When you run out of wine at your wedding, if Jesus is a guest at the wedding, you'll have the best wine for last. Uh, When you need to feed 5,000, you take five loaves and two fishes, five plus two equals seven, God's perfect provision, and you put it in the hands of Jesus, and he can feed 5,000 with 12 basketfuls left over. I don't know about you, but when we get Jesus in our equation, we've got everything that we need. And it doesn't always mean there's going to be a miracle, but it does mean that there's the possibility for multiplication, right? I'm not that good at math, but I do know Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If I have Jesus, I've just added supernatural power to my circumstance and my situation. I've just added the God of the universe in his infinite, omnipotent wisdom to my circumstance. And when God is in it, there's always a chance for multiplication. God is a God of multiplication. That's why I told them, be fruitful and multiply. And I believe there's a kingdom principle here for us to understand that multiplication happens when we put our faith and our trust in God. It's not just addition. It's not just subtraction. You know, God is an artist. He's a creator, right? The devil loves to divide and subtract. God loves to add and multiply. This is just who God is, right? He's a creator. He speaks and the worlds become to exist. He, he offers us in this scripture covenant, as we see here in this scripture in Genesis 9. Um, Satan is a con artist and a fraud, and he offers us counterfeit, right? God sends the rainbow as a promise. The enemy uses it for pride millennia later. God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And I want us to grab this today. God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And how do we do that? We're going to talk through, I think, a couple practical ways that we can be fruitful. But really, this is a this is not a, a message on uh, really just having everything perfect in your life. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to go according to your plan. But it does mean that you're going to have enough. Amen. It doesn't mean that there's always going to be a miracle. Jesus told John the Baptist, hey, listen, I'm not going to come save you. But tell John the Baptist that the sick are being healed, the blind are being seen, and the, the, the poor are being preached to. And Jesus was saying, no matter what happens, if I'm in the midst of it, it's going to be all right. And really, this is confirmed in Jeremiah 29, 11, My plans, God says to his people, are to prosper you and not to harm you. Isn't that good? you got the blueprint of what God is doing in the earth. He's here to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Sometimes it's hard for us to hear that because uh, sometimes the prosperity gospel preachers can misconstrue, right? But for really, for us, it don't miss the fact that God wants to prosper you. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be, uh, like, you have your needs met. The Bible says he takes care of the birds and he feeds them. Of course he's going to feed you. He doesn't want you broken, homeless, and on the end of the street with no food, right? That's not God's plan for your life. That may be your reality at times. There may be people that go through lack. There may be times where the ends don't meet. But that's not God's plan. His plan is not to punish you. Well, I'm going to go out there and get them today. Because if he could get you, he would have done got you. right? It's like, you'd be done for. God's plan is to prosper you, not to harm you, not to put you in harm's way, not to say, I'm going to test them this time. But it's to say, I love you. I want 
good plans for you. The Bible says he thinks about you more than their sand on the seashore. He loves you. He's thinking, more, he said, how much more valuable than you are than the ravens and the birds of the air. And I just want us to get this plan that God has good plans for us. Get this kingdom principle that God has good things when he thinks of us. He's not mad at us when he looks at us. He loves us and he wants what's best for us. However, we live in a sin-filled, cursed world. And so you will experience hard times. You will go through hard stuff. Just like a, a child, a father is not going to pick him up every time he falls. He wants him to learn to get up on his own. And God is a loving father. He gives us uh, all that we need with his presence. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to be in this world and experiencing. He tells us in John, in 1 John, he says, you're in the world, but you're not of it, right? And we forget about that. We're like, well, I'm, I'm not of this world. Yeah, but you're in it. And you're going to deal with all the stuff that's in this curse-filled world. But as we're looking at this scripture in this series, we're looking at Genesis, we're looking to go, where did, where, what was God's plan all along, right? His plan was the garden, right? Sin came, and now all of a sudden, there's the curse. But his plan was relationship. His plan was blessing. His plan was perfect. God reaffirms his covenant with Noah, as we see in the scripture here. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. You'll see later in the scripture there, he says, I'm going to reestablish my covenant with you. He says it again. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And where do we see that scripture and that passage happen for the very first time? This remark and this challenge, this command, it happens in Genesis chapter 1, <laughs> where God creates male and female in his image, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. And so after the flood, God is reconfirming and reasserting and reestablishing his mission for man. And he shares to Noah, I want you to be fruitful and to multiply. He says, I basically designed you for dominion, so take dominion. He tells him, take dominion over the animals, take dominion over the birds of the air. Everything is yours. Go out and be fruitful and multiply. And there are two significant things that I just want us to hone in on uh, as, we, as we look at this scripture today in this passage. Is that, number one, if you're taking notes, God reaffirms our mission. That's what he does here with these two passages where he says, be fruitful and multiply. And really... There's a practical side to that. He's talking about creating life. He's talking about procreation, okay? He's talking about actually having babies. <laughs> he's talking about building families. He's talking about creating communities. He's, he's, he's talking about being fruitful. He's talking about actually exploring and, and exploding and having families, right? So they started having lots of children. Uh, it, was, it was a fruitfulness that God wanted them to have. And really the enemy offers a counterfeit because whenever he comes into the situation and he he kind of takes this covenant, he twists it, and we see even from the beginning of, uh, of time, I mean, there's a lot of instances even throughout Scripture where the enemy will twist that covenant of being fruitful, and he'll put, uh, you know, a, a, a perversion to it, right, a, a dividing of the family, a subtracting from humanity, right, stunting procreation, come on somebody, stealing people's identities, confusing people to the point where we lose focus on our mission. And so I want us to get back to, let's go back to Genesis 9 here, about, back to Genesis 1. We were created in God's image, male and female, and now we're going to be fruitful and we're going to multiply. Not just practical like that. It's not just pro procreation. It's also for recreation. And God is telling us, go live life. Build businesses. Do hobbies. Play sports. Enjoy good food. Watch the dolphins on Sunday. Amen. It's, it's all right to watch football on Sunday. It's all right to take a nap on Sunday. Amen. It's all right to enjoy a good cup of coffee. It's all right to enjoy creation. Sometimes it's good to miss church and go on vacation. 
You know, you don't hear that in church sometimes. Like, your job is not to just sit in church all day long and be a monk and just pray. God wants you out enjoying life. That's great that you're in church, and we want you to be here. We want to be in community with you, but uh, that's not your entire goal and life purpose is to just sit in this room and listen to one of us talk. Our challenge is to say, listen, your mission is to go out and be fruitful. I want you to go out into this world and make uh, an incredible business, help people, employ people. Uh, let's make a difference in the marketplace, not just in the pews, right? Let's be people that multiply. Let's be people that go out and we enjoy the world that God created. He made the ocean so we could enjoy the beach, right? He made the mountains so we could enjoy the streams. He created gravy so we could enjoy turkey. He made football so we could enjoy Thanksgiving. He made toddlers so we could enjoy waking up at 6 a.m. He made coffee so you can actually stay awake at 6 a.m. when they wake you up. Amen. Sister Aaron said amen to that. Okay. Oh, man, my, my son be waking up at 6 a.m. talking about, hey, I'm ready to play. It's like, bro, God wants us to be fruitful, right? How do we become fruitful? And really that's the question here is that we've got to look at our roots, right? Where are we planted? And it's really going back to the root. A lot of people look at the fruit and say, well, man, look at their life. But they've never seen what you're planted in, what you're going through, how you got there, right? Psalm 92 says this, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, right? You'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water. And you're going to have such a, a flourishing life if you are in God's house. But really, like I mentioned, we're not talking about necessarily church attendance. I think it's important for us to have church attendance and be in this room. Some, God is doing something here today. You wouldn't even be hearing this message. But it's not just about church attendance. It's about community. It's about getting under authority, having a pastor, having someone that can speak into your life, having people that are going to pray with you, iron sharpening iron, right? It's about being in community, being teachable, and being on assignment. You know, as kids, we can easily get distracted. I remember, you know, just taking my sons to the park and I'll be like, hey, we're going to go to the park. And all of a sudden, we drive out of the driveway. I'm like, oh, you know, there's a black cloud. It starts to rain. I'm like, oh, man, we're not going to go to the park. So, hey, guys, you guys want to get a car wash? You know, just easily distract them. And just like, yeah. So they love going to the car wash. And so it's like green soap on the windshield. And, you know, you get the whole thing going. It's like little going on the windows. It's just like, oh, this is awesome. I'm like, start playing music. And it's like, and it's like, this is a fun experience. It's like a sensory thing for both kids. And we'll go through that. And I'll be like, all right. Who wants McDonald's? We're going home. And it's like, they totally forgot about the park, right? It's easily, it's easy to distract toddlers. It's easy to distract sometimes a two-year-old because uh, they don't even know exactly what the end result should be, right? They're just kind of down for the next thing. And really, sometimes the rain can detour us, right? Situations in our lives, storms can detour us. And the enemy likes to distract us, right? The enemy likes to get us off course and say, listen, that's not, did God really say Right? He starts to question God. He starts to question even like right now, did God really call you? Were you really supposed to start that business? Were you really supposed to buy that house? Were you really supposed to marry that person? Come on, somebody. God starts to, the devil starts to question what God's called us to. And we have to get back on mission. We have to be redirected. Say, listen, no, I'm, I'm here to be fruitful and I'm here to multiply. And that happens wherever you are. And sometimes you might have moved, you know, just recently to the area. My challenge to you is to be fruitful. And to multiply, right? And it's, it starts with getting planted. And that, that means, you know, it doesn't mean go check out churches and find something that works for you. This may not be a fit for you, but if you're here, just be here. And be planted and serve and give and love people and call people and pray with people. Be a part of saying, listen, I want to be planted in God's house. I want to be planted 
with God's people. Specifically, as Christians, how this practically aligns with us today is that Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, right? In Matthew 28, he tells us to go out and make disciples. And he was reestablishing our mission of multiplication for the spreading of the gospel, right? Not just, I want you guys to sit in an upper room and pray and have a cult, right? He said, no, I want you to go to the upper room and pray because I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. and We're going to spread this thing all over the world. And it's going to be the good news, the gospel to share that Jesus came to save sinners. Amen. And that's why we consider ourselves evangelicals, right? We're here to evangelize. We're not here just to hear somebody preach and say that was a good sermon and go home. We're here to say, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Get back on mission. Get back on track and go back out there and let's help people know the love of God. Amen. I didn't come to entertain you this morning. I didn't come just to, to tap dance for you and say, listen, this is a good message. I came to say God is using you and he wants to put you on mission in your homes, in your jobs, in your schools. God has a gospel message of love, of redemption, of salvation. He wants us to be that in our everyday lives, right? When you clothe the naked, when you feed the hungry or feed the hungry and and you, and you maybe buy uh, coffee at Starbucks and tell somebody that God loves them, that's, that's sharing the gospel, right? That's, that's being fruitful. That's multiplying. Uh, when you make investments in people's lives, when you invite someone to your small group or maybe over to your house for coffee, there's many ways to evangelize. But the most distinct and most effective way is when people see the fruit of your life in the midst of storms. I want to say that one more time. There's many ways to evangelize. But the most effective way is when people see the fruit of our lives in the midst of storms, right? And so that's why it's so important to invite people over to our house. Or it's important to be a part of people's lives, a part of, be a part of the church. Because when people see you going through hard times, they see your steadfastness. They see how God gets you through storms. And they're like, man, how could you have peace in this moment? And that's one of the most powerful testimonies is when we have a real life saying, God, I, I, it don't add up. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that I would have this peace. It doesn't make sense that I would have this joy. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I've got all I need, even though in the midst of this loss, even though in the midst of this, this diagnosis, even though in the midst of this, this lack, I've got all that I need. That's why we see people that sometimes are even going through fi hard financial times. Maybe you've seen, you know, I mean, many of us are, you know, we forget that we're really, really blessed here in America. And we've got all the things that we need, probably more than we should. And there's people in other countries that are living off way less, and they're way more happy. And they're just full of joy. And we've got to get back to the simplicity of God saying, listen, go out and multiply. Go out and be fruitful. And we enjoy life, and we say, God, you're doing something in me. I trust you. And people see your faithfulness. People see your steadfastness. They begin to work in your life. The Bible says they'll know you by your fruit. Amen. Secondly today, the second thing that we really see, the big pictures that we see out of this scripture, obviously he tells Noah to be fruitful and to multiply. He tells him twice in that scripture. But the second big thing that he does is he redefines the storms. So he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you not to flood the earth again. Right? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to judge the world with water. But he says, I'm, and the next time it rains, I'm going to put a rainbow in the clouds. Right? And so God redefines what storms and rain is by sending a rainbow to confirm a covenant that he'd never flood the earth. When Noah and humans saw the rain, they would know it was not for punishment, but for fruitfulness. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that it hadn't even rained on the earth before. 
this is a myth, all that thing, scholars tell us. But really, they were going to associate rain with punishment, with judgment, right? Because Noah said, I'm going to punish the earth. I'm going to judge the earth. And he poured out rain. So when the, the skies opened up, it was like, oh, my goodness, God's judging us, right? So he puts the rainbow there to say, listen, I'm not going to do this again. Next time it rains, you'll know there's going to be another side. There's going to be a rainbow. There's going to be the sun coming out. And, you know, if we let it rain and if we let them, rain will actually produce fruit, right? That's how the soil gets nourished, and that's how the plants grow. It's how the, the soil is cultivated. And sometimes, practically for us, Bad things happen to good people, right? You probably thought that question, why is this happening to me? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust, right? So you live in this world, you're going to experience rain. You're going to experience storms. You're going to experience hard times. You're going to experience difficulties. Not everything is going to be rainbows. There's going to be rain. There's going to be storm. There's going to be lightning. There's going to be thunder. There's going to be times where you get wet, there's going to be times where you feel like, man, God, did you really even call me to do this? You know, my son has been learning uh, to talk. He's like three years old, just turned three. And uh, when he first started talking, we had to teach him words, you know, by working with flashcards and stuff. And we're like, hey, this is, you know, what is this, you know? And we had to kind of go down to his level, right? So when you're learning to talk at 18 months or two years old, you just call everything the same thing, right? It's like, what is this? It's like a duck. It's like, that's a bird. It's like, that's right. It is a bird. You show them a flamingo. That's a bird. You know, you show them 30 different birds. It's all a bird, right? Um, and so he called everything a bird, everything pants, everything was a cup. But the older he got and the older he gets, we have to redefine certain words, right? So that's not a bird. That's a duck. What do ducks say? Quack. Those aren't pants. Those are shorts. Pull up your shorts, right? That's not a cup, it's a glass. A whole new meaning, a whole new word, a, a whole deeper level. And the more mature we get in Christ, the storms of life have to be redefined, right? Because essentially, there was this big theological and uh, philosophical belief that pervaded literally all of humanity for thousands of years is that if you had bad things happen to you, you must be a bad person, right? If you had good things happen to you, you must be a good person. But see, we have to understand that that's not exactly how God works, right? Uh, that's not exactly how our world works. The rain isn't punishment, it's pruning, right? Romans 8 says this, all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean that those that are good, uh, those that love God and are called according to his purpose will only experience good things. It means that all things are working together for your good as you are called according to his purpose. And so you have to say, listen, this isn't a good situation. This isn't a good uh, problem that I'm facing. But I do know that if Jesus is in my boat, I'm getting to the other side. So God's not done working yet. Amen. And you're getting to a place where you say, listen, it's changing and redefining, saying I'm not experiencing these storms because I'm a bad person. I'm experiencing these storms because storms happen. And the world has to be rain, uh, rained on. And there has to be soil that needs to be cultivated. You say, I'm not buried anymore. I'm planted. Right. It's changing your thinking and saying, God, thank you for putting me in this ground. Thank you for dumping all this soil on me. Thank you that sometimes it seems dark because when the rain comes, I realize I'm going to start to blossom. I'm going to start to actually grow. I'm going to get stronger. When the rain comes, I'm getting ready to flourish. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, he said, will flourish. You see, the rainbow was a promise that it would rain again. Not that it wouldn't rain, 
but it would rain. He's saying, listen, uh, next time it rains, maybe in the next, you know, couple hours or tomorrow when it rains, just know I'm not going to flood the earth. It's not for your punishment. It's for your pruning. It's for your uh, fruitfulness. We live in a cursed world. People get cancer. Car accidents happen. Heart attacks happen. Birth defects happen. It rains on the just and the unjust. And really to answer this existential question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Jesus was asked this question in Scripture. And uh, the Pharisees asked him about this blind man. They said, did him or his parents sin that he was born blind? And we'll see the answer when Jesus responds. He says, his parents didn't sin and he didn't sin either. Neither. He says, it's so that the glory and power of God might be displayed in him. Amen. What a powerful response to someone being born blind. Jesus said, it's so that God could get the glory through his life. Obviously, he healed him. Uh, there may be people that don't experience that healing on earth, but it's still so that the glory and the power of God might be displayed in you. We all want to see miracles happen. How many want to see miracles happen? I mean, I'm sure you're like, wow, I'd love to see that. Well, we all want that. But most of us don't want to experience the conditions it takes to experience a miracle, right? <laughs> if you didn't have lack, you wouldn't need a provider. If you weren't lost, you wouldn't know him as Savior. If you had not been sick, you wouldn't need to know him as healer. If you hadn't been a mess, you wouldn't have a message, right? The reason why God allows you to go through hard times is so that he can draw you to himself and so you can know him in an intimate way. We're going to sing a song when we get to heaven that the angels cannot sing, the Bible tells us. That we're going to be singing the song of the redeemed, that I once was lost, but now I'm found. That is an experience the angels will never have. They'll never know what it means to be lost, dead in sin, and be picked up out of the miry clay and put a ring on your finger, a robe on your back, sandals on your feet, and celebrate. It says that the older brother was like, man, why are you guys throwing a party for him? He went out and wasted it all. And the angels are going to be celebrating with us because just like that prodigal son, we came home and God saved us. He wrapped his arms around us. He forgave us. He loved us. He gave us a new name and he put us into his blood. He plunged us in this Calvary's tide and he gave us rightness with God, righteousness. He took on our sin and became righteous for us. It's so incredibly wonderful to see that our trials draw us closer to God because he's trying to reveal himself in a more intimate way. Amen. He's trying to help us understand him in a closer way. He wants us to experience him more closely and more intimately. The Bible says in Psalms that he's close to the brokenhearted, that he's a very present help in times of trouble. He's not judging you. He's drawing you to himself. He, he's wanting you to understand that when storms come, just like the eagle, you rise above. And he's, he's taking you higher. He's taking you deeper. He's taking you to a place where you say, listen, I've got to get stronger. Amen. When you go to the gym, you got to work out, you lift weights, it's hurtful, it's painful. You don't actually get stronger until your muscles break down. And then there's rest, and you come back together. When the storms of life come, we need to remind ourselves that joy is coming in the morning, right? That he's not done with me yet. This is just a trial. This is just a storm. This is just for the night. But joy is coming in the morning. As we close today, I want to kind of turn our attention to Matthew 24. Because we're talking about Noah, right? And, uh, uh, Jimmy was talking about Noah in Hebrews. And I want to bring up Noah in Matthew. There's so many things that correlate in this scripture 
that God kind of refers back to. And in Matthew 24, Jesus starts to talk about Noah. He says, he says talking about his, his return when he returns to the earth, the second coming of Christ. He says, when I come back, he says, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Right? It's going to be just like the days of Noah. That's how it's going to be when the Son of Man returns. In other words, right now, right? We're living in the last days, right? Where every thought of man, he says, is evil continually. There's such debauchery. There's such evil. There's such wickedness in our world. Women are marrying women. Men are becoming women. Children are being gunned down in our schools. Uh, there's rumors of wars, and there's wars. There's people dying right now, innocent lives. We live in such a wicked world. You look around, you watch the news, you pull up the Internet, you can see wickedness at every turn. The world is at a breaking point, right? He says it's like birth pains where a mother's about to give birth. And God is so good. Yeah, I was wondering this, man, how could God do this? Well, God is so wonderful and so good and so awesome and so perfect that he doesn't let evil slide, right? He has to punish evil. He's not going to let evil go unpunished. If you seen something and you heard something that somebody did at the workplace and you didn't report it, right, and you were knowledgeable of it, you could be fired too, right? It could be, you could also be responsible if someone was taken advantage of in a workplace and you knew about it and you let him off the hook. You didn't report it, right? There's a mandatory reporting that needs to happen. And God is so gracious and so wonderful. He's not going to let evil slide. He's not going to let the enemy get away with it. He's not going to just say, well, that evil was, you know, that's going to go unpunished. The reason why Jesus had to go to the cross is because he was accepting and putting on his body the wrath of God so that God's punishment would be placed on himself. He stood in our place. He took the punishment for our sin. He, the wrath of God was poured out of him on that cross. His blood was poured out so that we could receive his righteousness. And God's going to judge the world again, but he's going to send a lifeboat. And what is that? That's the second coming of Christ. It's just like Noah's Ark, if you will. It's a lifeboat for us to say, listen, when judgment comes on this earth once and for all, I want to be in the lifeboat. I want to be in rightness with Almighty God. Jesus will return. He's going to gather the church, those that are born again, to escape the wrath of God, just like Noah and his family did. And on that final day, the equation is going to be solved, right? You say, man, this ain't adding up. This world is jacked up. That's true. It's cursed. It's under the curse of sin. Nothing really adds up. But on that final day, evil's going to be punished. Righteousness will be rewarded. The Bible says that every knee and every tongue is going to bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. And the only question for you is, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you bearing fruit? He says in Matthew 24, as he mentions this, he says, you know, in the days of Noah, it's going to be the same way in the second coming of Christ. And then he says, it's like a fig tree that starts to blossom. You see the leaves, you see it growing, and you go to it, and there ain't no fruit on it. He said, those are the trees that are going to be cut down. And that might be you today. You might be living in America. You have access to the Internet. You go to a church. You've heard the gospel preached. And if there's no fruit on your life, if you haven't actually said, listen, I want to make a decision to serve Jesus and to, to follow him and to have the, the, him take the place of my sin. I want to be born again. I want to be a child of God. And if you're at that place where you're like, man, I've just kind of been around God, but I don't even know God. He said, depart from me, right? I never knew you. He, he said, those fig trees are going to be cut down. And so you really got to say, listen, if I really want to bear fruit and I want to live a life of fruitfulness, I've got to add Jesus to my life. I've got to add Jesus to the equation. You might say, well, I'm already saved. That's great. Add Jesus to your daily walk, right? Wake up at 6 a.m. and get that coffee going and, and add Jesus to the start of your day, right? 
Add Jesus to your workplace. Add Jesus to your home life. Add Jesus to the, to the Thanksgiving and the Christmas table. Start to say, listen, I, I need Jesus. I'm nothing without him. And you'll start to bear fruit and say, listen, I've got to be a place where when God looks at my life, is he going to look at my good works, all my good deeds, or the finished work of Christ? Our good works won't add up when we stand before God, right? We're going to stand before him, and it's not going to add up. It's not going to be enough, whatever we've done on this earth. But the good news is this, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And when you stand before God and Jesus takes the place of your sin, that's all you need. You don't need good works. You don't need good deeds. You don't need to say, I went to church this amount of times. You say, Jesus took the place of my sin, and God's going to look at you as righteous, and he's going to give you a righteous reward, and you're going to be with him for eternity. Today, this is the gospel truth. We've got to live it. We've got to believe it. As we leave this place, hopefully the world will see our fruit. Hopefully we'll speak up and speak out and say, God, use me in any way I can be used. I want to be fruitful. I want to, I want to multiply. I want to share the gospel. It's not just good enough to, to hear it. I've got, to, I've got to receive it for myself. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to pray. And maybe there's someone today, you've been in this room, maybe you've heard the gospel story before, maybe you've been to church before, maybe you were raised in church, maybe you're a young person and, you know, your, your parents drag you to church, but maybe today you say, I need to receive Jesus as Lord of my life. And if that's you, while every head's bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you that opportunity today to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to take the place of your sin. And if that's you today, you need Jesus to save you today. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise it up real high where I can see it. We want to pray with you. Amen. That's cool. You can put it down. No one's looking around. And I want us to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of repentance saying, God, I want you to come into my life and I want to turn my life over to you to surrender. It's what we've been talking about in these songs. And as we pray this prayer, and if you mean it with your heart, you confess with your mouth, the Bible says that you'll be saved. You'll be a new person. And that's what we're doing today. We're not just coming to hear a speech. We're coming to encounter Almighty God, and today he's called you. I want us to pray this prayer. Let's all pray it together and repeat it together just as a sign of encouragement to those that are praying this today. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross, for taking the place of my sin. I thank you that you've called me to be fruitful and to multiply. Help me to live for you. I repent of my sin, all the wrong I've done, the good deeds and good works I've tried to do. Lord, I trust you today for my salvation. And I give you my life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys put your hands together for these people today that prayed that prayer today. People making a confession of faith saying, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to ask that we would stand. We're going to close this service in prayer. We're just going to sing a little, sing a little portion of this to celebrate. Let's all stand together and pray. Father, I just thank you for every person on the sound of my breath, Lord, that they came to church today, that they got out of bed and they, they took time to, to make room for you and to say, God, I want you to be first. And so on this first day of this week, Lord, we saying, God, use us, help us. Help us to be fruitful. Help us to stay on mission. 
Help us to redefine the storms in our lives. That you're not punishing us, Lord. You're not judging us, Lord. We're being pruned. We're, we're growing in Christ. We're being matured. And we're going to produce fruit. And I pray, God, that you would bless everyone in the sound of my breath. God, this church, this local body of believers, God, that we would be your light. We'd be, like you said, a city on a hill that when people see our lives, they would see Jesus through us. They would see the love of Almighty God. They'd see the redemption story of how somebody who was nothing, but they added Jesus, Lord, and now you've fulfilled us, and we've got peace, and we've got joy. We've got hope. Our lives have been turned around. I pray that they would see that in Jesus' mighty name today. Come on, let's sing this together as we close. service. If you're new, I'll be at the blue tent. Just remember, what happens now is what matters. Be fruitful and multiply. We need to take this message and apply it to our lives. We invite you back on Wednesday. Be with us for Church Decoration Day. We hope that you have a good week. Let us pray. Lord, I just ask that you be with us, Lord. Be with the people who prayed that prayer, who are trying to take this next step with you, but don't quite know how, God. Help us to be a part of that journey, Lord. Move in a major way right here in Delray Beach, right here at our church. Use us in a way that would bring glory and honor to your son, Jesus. Bless us this week, Lord. Guide us and bring us back in Jesus' name.
Amen.